Hello and welcome to the Second Row Pro 14 Recap Podcast. My name is Park Kelly and as always I'm joined by Ushin Collins to discuss the grand final of the Pro 14 and some of the weekend's other results. Including an emphatic victory for the Babas over England. First off, Park, though, you have some special news for us. Yeah, this is... Uh, yeah. We interrupt our normal broadcast to bring you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a special news item. Uh, Connacht have announced Friend as our new friend. head coach. Coach, coach friend. friend! Coach Friend! Yeah, so like I've been looking into him. He's got lots of head coach experience in his past, which is really good. You know, Australia under-20s, Harlequins, Waratahs. Brombies, Club Rugby in Japan, and the All Sevens. So, I mean, the only worry I would have is he's been out of the top flight for a couple of years now. Like, coaching Sevens game for the last two seasons and coaching in the Japanese league, which is like the AIL with a lot more money. Yeah, no, I'd be the same. Like, and because he's been coaching Seven for the last two, you don't really know what he's going to bring to the team. Okay. But overall, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic because he has said himself in past interviews, like going back years, that grassroots is how you build a top team. Well, that's very much with Connacht's values in mind then, which is good. And especially their plan of grassroots, the green shirts. Yeah, yeah. That's something that's really, really valuable. Well, the timing is great as well. It's nice to have him in in time to do a proper preseason, which was a bit of a, a disrupted piece. That's the big one. Like, yeah. as long as he can work well with the coach there in situ, because he clearly it doesn't seem to be bringing in his own team. Yeah, which you'd like to think, I mean, that the coaching squad that's in Connacht, like there's decent coaches there, but just perhaps a bit more leadership and someone to bring the best out of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he does have an emphasis on skills and that's something we've been missing since Dave Ellis left. Well, look, I mean, to be honest, it's a better situation than Ulster find themselves in, so. That's for sure. That yeah. is for sure. But anyway, now we've kind of cleared and covered that topic. Yeah, Back to the rugby. You didn't want to wait until the end of the week for the news where it's not good news anymore. Yeah, got to keep it fresh. <laughs> so on to the rugby. Yeah, and I mean, what a game. Oh, Leinster, Scarlets showed what finals should be. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> there was none of this, oh, we're going to play conservatively. Nah, man. 40 points to 32, there's literally nothing conservative about that game. No, super rugby score. But with a better quality of rugby than super rugby. Yeah, and I tell you what, it was a great atmosphere as well. Like, the final felt like an occasion, similar to the Champions Cup final that a couple of us went to last year. There was a real good buzz at this. Yeah, like... It's kind of what the Pro 14 and Pro Rugby have been trying to go for. You know, there I saw jerseys from Glasgow, Dragons, Edinburgh, Connacht, well, myself, Ulster, Munster, <laughs> Lions, Zebra, and Treviso. Zebra? That's like the most optimistic Zebra fan on the planet. I was going to say the Dragons one's more optimistic, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, poss- possibly a little more there for the occasion than there in the hope of their team making the final there. But that's what the final of the, the domestic league should be. Yeah. And like, I think that atmosphere of kind of it being a bit, you know, pulled together out of nothing was, was a little bit like how the first 20 minutes of the game went. Like, yeah, Scarlet's actually managed to get in and disrupt Leinster in a way that they really hadn't in the Champions Cup semi. You know, it really seemed like they'd learned from that. But it was really tit for tat, penalty for penalty, mm. scrappy, but in- oddly enjoyable. Yeah. And I mean, I think what we did see, though, obviously 20 minutes was was as much as Issa had left in the tank playing playing not fully fit. Bit of a sad way for him to go off, but what a standing ovation he got. Oh, the crowd reaction was incredible, and he does deserve it. Like, he's yeah. been a servant for that club twice now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lots of medals in his pocket, too. <laughs> but um, I thought what was interesting, I would have expected losing a player of Issa's significance to, to Leinster in terms of how they defend and how they attack would have really caused them problems. But Rory O'Loughlin played really well when he came on. Yeah, he did. Carried well, carried strong. Like, Issa was missed. But his absence didn't cause too many issues. You know, O'Loughlin stepped into the fold nicely. And stepped up. And O'Loughlin needed to stand up like that for his own sake and Leinster's. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about Leinster's squad depth later, but it's brilliant that they do have players on a big day, on a big stage, who can step up and do the needful. Exactly. But, like, Scarlets did decently when they had the ball. Yeah, they just didn't really have enough of it. Like, you look at Scarlet's ability to play, and it was like they... It was like a dodgy bicycle. They kept getting it into the higher gears and then like doing all right. And then the chain would fall off the bike and they had to start again. Exactly. Like, you know, their restart strategy was perfect. They won a lot of ball back from that going down the center. Their kick return was decent. But the problem is they weren't controlling the game. They weren't using territory properly from my perspective. They weren't kicking. They should have kicked to the corners a bit more. Um, they just didn't exert any kind of control or dominance whereas Leinster kind of choked the life out of the game like they had 70 plus percent territory and possession in the first half and it really felt like that there was just wave upon wave of blue attack and they had so much ball yeah I'm telling you I actually do think that the Scars players won't even want to go near water for fear of the blue <laughs> yeah and you speak about kicking like Halfpenny was absolutely bombarded Oh, like, he will have nightmares. Yeah, he'll, like, he'll be waking I, up in cold sweats. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, those kicks are only good if the chase is good enough to put him under pressure. Rob Kearney rolled back the years. Like, he was very impressive in terms of, like, supporting that. Sexton was just dropping bombs all over the place. Uh, the thing is, if it's not Sexton kicking the ball, especially in those, like, up and unders, I do think that's a small weakness of Leinster's, that the kicking can be a bit looser when it's not him doing it. Yeah, and I mean, so... You and I were sitting in different parts of the stadium and we had a very different impression of um, Sexton's halfback partner, Luke McGrath. Like, for me, I thought he was really injecting a lot of pace in the game and moving the ball around a lot, but you had a slightly different view, particularly in the first half. Yes, I think my my view of him was tainted in the first half. I just think he took the wrong option on occasion. There was a time he broke really well down the wing, Mm. Lamar was on his outside, and I think it's especially as a scrum half if you can give the ball to someone else so you're not the base for the next rook yeah. that's a huge one for me He some of his kicking wasn't great in the first half the options of when to kick okay. weren't great in the first half like there's a point he did a box kick into the Scarlet's 22 and you can actually see Rob Kearney turn around and lose the head at him because it was just a poor kick yeah, yeah. and the you know I know they weren't going anywhere but it wasn't the right option yeah and I mean I think that's a bit of experience that'll come in Um, I, I still think I mean just Going back to the squad that was announced during the week, I'm still amazed that he's not going to Australia. I think he has real influence in a game, but, you know, he'll grow into that. Like, that's his jersey for the World Cup if he wants it. Yeah, I, I do think knee injury. I don't think they could bring another injured player along the squad. Yeah, not fair. <laughs> They're already <laughs> carrying the centres. Exactly. A um, couple of great tries, though. Like, I mean, Johnny McNichol for the Scarlets was a machine. He's just such a good finisher. He's so clinical. But he was Scarlets best player by far like around the park as well like his finishing is great but he has influence all the time he never once dropped a high ball that fell on top of him Mm. and he was their best player and and moving from 15 last week to 14 this week to accommodate halfpenny coming back in as well yeah exactly like apart from his penalties he wasn't the best player like he wasn't his best no halfpenny wasn't really at his at the level we expect from him james Lowe, excellent again Uh, there was one kick down the line which was just like tactically so strong but that's down to decision-making. And I also highlighted ring rows, the kick right beforehand myself, that there was, a, there was space in those scarlet swings and those mm. pockets. And they're the only two on the Leinster team that really made use of it. Yeah, I think they were quite happy other than that, nearly just to go up the middle because they were getting change out of it. Yeah. But kicking the ball in behind, yeah, there was a couple of really nice tactical moments from low and ring rows. Um, standout moment of the game, though. Like, what a try for Larmore. It's incredible. Yeah. I was actually sitting next to three old Connacht boys. Okay. Yeah. And I was there. I turned to him. I was like, 
after his kick and he was chasing up for the ball. I was like, he hasn't slowed down. Mm-hmm. He's actually going to go this. He's going to loop this one arm. He's going to bend down. He actually did it. And I was, I was, I was, I knew the try was being scored before he'd actually reached the ball. So that was directly in front of us. <laughs> so we literally saw the kick, saw him gather the ball, turn. And like when he kicked it, I was kind of watching and watching the arc of the ball in the air and thinking, this is going to stay in play. And I was watching the ball so much that by the time my eyes tracked back down to the pitch, I was like, how's he got ahead of three of them? <laughs> like his turn of pace is incredible. And the scoop and flick to himself was, uh, it's as good as anything you see from the likes of O'Driscoll or, um, or kind of the more fancy stuff that you see from Zebo. Like he, it was just so well executed. I think my favorite bit, uh, especially watching back and seeing replays of it is Steph Evans in the background going, he didn't just do that. Yeah, the, what am I supposed to do with that face? <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. But like, in all fairness, Leinster scored some great tries in that game. You know, like the pack worked really well. They took their tries well. But Conan try under the post after Carberry's step was just brilliant. Yeah, and he does like, Carberry is like glamour in that sense and that he can create those game-changing moments. But you make a really good point. I mean, this game was one up front. Leinster bullied Scarlets and they were better than they had been in the semi-final at slowing them down and trying to disrupt them but they just weren't good enough. They couldn't carry ball. They, they couldn't make any yards. But that's the problem. Like Anytime Scars actually put two phases together, Leinster were on the back foot because they're such an electric team. Yeah. But they were sloppy. They weren't holding the ball properly. They're firing wild passes. Mm. And like we were saying earlier on, that's down to control. Yeah. And not saying this game was there to be won or anything by Scarlets. I don't think it ever was. No, I mean, those late two tries put a bit more of a healthy gloss on the scoreline, but let, let's be very clear, Leinster dominated this game. Definitely. From minute one to minute 77. <laughs> <laughs> but like, as a season, you know, how does this stack up for Leinster? I mean, coming into it as they did, with kind of the favourites badge on them, which in a, in a really tricky pool in the Champions Cup, coming out of that with two trophies, having had the hardest possible run to the final, beating the reigning champions in the final of their domestic league is just extraordinary. And like, especially being your big, like, and it's no dispense to Ulster or Connacht, your biggest provincial rivals on the, in the semi-final to get there as well. In a really tough game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess what enabled them, I think, to fight that war on two fronts was just the depth that they had. Like, you pulled out the numbers of players across the squad. 55 different players across all competitions this year. That's crazy. Like, and think about it. Just for example, Levy, their third choice seven. Now, arguably, what was it the Sky Guys said today? The, one of the greatest open sides in the Northern Hemisphere. Hyperbole alert. So much hyperbole. I know, it's pretty incredible. And I mean, I think they're only going to get better and better. You look at the youth coming through from that team. Yeah, like so I saw a list on Twitter. There, There's easily 10 players of the starting team hmm. under the age of 25. Especially that wasn't on Twitter. We said that last week. I know, but I also saw the actual list of names. Oh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, like the uh, the oldest there would be uh, like Robbie Henshaw. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you're like, but he's got ten more years of rugby in him. Absolutely. Um, so I guess after doing that, like, what's the target for next season? Where do they go from here? Honestly, they've got to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, like anything else is a failure. It really is. But even in a World Cup kind of preparation year do you think the focus is going to shift do you think it'll be more about the Ireland camp see the thing is I think for Leo and for Leinster it shouldn't be Mm. because they know they're going to have so many players so much player disruption they need to get the best out that second layer of team and if they're going to prove they're going to have this dynasty of Leinster for 10, 15 years possibly this next group of players that second layer down needs to be coming up through yeah okay because I mean of those 55 I mean what 20 
25 going to be involved in Ireland camps. So that other 30 have to kind of be beating everyone in the Pro 12. And not just beating your Dragons and your Zebras, like, but being able to go out and put up results against teams like the Ospreys, who we think are going to come back next year. Yeah, even Edinburgh, who are going to have a good season next yeah. year. Yeah, no, absolutely. But look, good result. Um, great for Irish rugby and a uh, good day out. Definitely. Like, I love a final. I like a good day out. And the Pro 14, I think, gave the second best game of rugby this weekend. Possibly. But... Uh, <laughs> Before that, we've got a couple of, uh, as always, our little lower league corner. The warm-up to the Pro 14 final was, of course, the final of the uh, Premiership in the UK. And Exeter uh, losing out to Saracens, uh, 10 points to 27. Awful. Awful game. Like I can't uh, stand them. We were watching, um, we had some of the other rugby on in the pub, and no one was really all that interested in the, the Prem final. No, they was more interested in the French match that was on. I just couldn't care. <laughs> I really just couldn't care. I'm trying to like think of stuff to say. I just can't. I just don't care. It was a very Saracensy performance. Like they choked the life out of it. Exeter lacked a bit of composure, and you know it, it's funny because Exeter, Exeter have a habit of losing to Saracens in knockout rugby. Like you look at last year where um they had Wasps in the final and they beat them. I don't. I don't know. It'd be interesting to check if Exeter have ever beaten Saracens in knockout rugby. I think it's a bit of a bogey team for them. So half of that's got to be in their head. Yeah, and they'll just take one win. Yeah. And that'll be that extra team who have increased their academy players that were starting from four to 14 yeah. over one year, which is incredible. It's a good result. And I mean, yeah. I think they still top the league coming in. So they'll be bitterly disappointed not to beat Saris in the final, but room to grow. Yeah, no, and exactly. And after watching that match, I was in the mood for um, good rugby. Yeah, and I suppose we had a little bit of a taster of that. We were watching the, the second of the two top 14 semifinals where... Cast inexplicably beat Racing um, in Paris. Well, I did say no way there was going to be two French away wins again this week. Yeah, and Montpellier uh, dug you out of a hole in that They one. really did. And I was like, oh, I haven't turned into Oshin. Yeah, <laughs> um, Montpellier absolutely hammered Leon 40 points to 14. So um, next week, the kind of one domestic game left this season, Montpellier and Cast in the final, the first against the sixth seed. Not going to call it. God, no. <laughs> we'll figure it out later. But... The big result, and certainly the, the 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 most fun of the weekend, if if not the best game of the weekend, we had England playing host to the Barbarians in Twickenham. I know, and I've never watched a match with so much glee. And just like the Barbas, we've assembled a ragtag bunch of internationals with no formal training for this match. So welcome to our one and a half English people, Hello. Dan and Siobhan. <laughs> so thanks a million for joining us, guys, for a bit of a chat. We said just me and Paul are talking about the Babas in England. Like at least we all wanted the Babas to win. So at least you guys had a slightly different impression, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I may be half English, but I, I, I would verge on, you, I'm definitely more Irish. I never, like, ever, ever, like me, ever, so. no. ever cheer England on, much to my father's you can, you can guess who the fully English person is by the accent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Dan, you spent the weekend over here, um, well, I went to the Pro 14 final yesterday, which was good fun. Enjoyed that? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's nice to watch Leinster because the rugby they play. It's actually it's decent. So, yeah. And similar, like the Babas are playing mm. some really fun stuff today. Throw it around and hope you catch it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What was it? The, I think the Twitter account for the Barbarians was, was pretty good fun as well. It always is. Like, it really is. Um, but not exactly a dream start for Eddie's England. They've been awful recently. I, can't, I, I, I was saying, I can't remember the last time they played well. Yeah. Because they got away with it against Wales and the Six Nations. Italy ran them close as well, so yeah. As a as a Leinster fan, I'm the one person that was properly supporting Leinster yesterday. Um, I don't understand how Leinster can have pull out it like a decent second team and 
England, although they were missing Exeter and Saracens, they, like that was technically their second team and it was a national team. They had a lot of people to pick from, a lot more than Leinster have. What this like just, just what? what? Yeah. Just yeah. what were you doing? <laughs> and it's a bit of a worry out of a tour to South Africa this year. Like South Africa are looking better under mm. Razi Erasmus, their sides are doing well in super rugby, and the English team just conceded twenty one points inside twelve minutes. Yeah. And they'll be dangerous as well at home, wanting to make an impression. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, Erasmus left his club contract with Munster yeah. <laughs> and has, has seems to be bringing a bit of structure and a bit of focus back into the game. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be backing on a, on a really big win. And I mean, for me, what I was worried about was the Babas are always going to play flashy stuff. Yeah. But I mean, England's mall was getting taken down by the Barbarians pretty effectively. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, scrum was a different occasion though that must have been nice to watch yeah but again you're going against a team that's had a week of training and scrums about technique and knowing who you're playing next to so. and let's be perfectly honest they weren't training they were yeah. they were training their their arm and getting bottles to their mouth yeah. I think <laughs> while drinking lots of alcohol I don't know yeah. I think the second rows probably spent some time dragging the guys out of the bar <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean a nice return to Twickenham for Chris Ashton it must have been fun to see him score yeah, exactly it's when, when you see a finisher doing what they do best yeah being I've, on the end of it I feel quite weird I've never cheered for Chris Ashton in my life and I celebrated his hat-trick like it was gold <laughs> yeah like it was Bundy yeah I felt bad like I will need to wash my mouth out after it Bundy would have been good at watching this oh that game was made for him especially how England were playing it was absolutely made for him yeah. like he lo- he loves the offload he loves that type of Imagine game in the midfield if he had been there today God that would have been the higher score for England. Bundy yeah. and Rad Radra. Yeah, exactly. That would have been pretty serious. There'd been an offload going everywhere. Absolutely. And it was bad anyway. <laughs> um, I was confused by, I suppose, at one stage, so England on the pitch had George Ford and Danny Cipriani and Piers Francis. Like, how can you look so poor in attack with three tens on the pitch? Exactly. You've got to be finding gaps. Yeah. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Spot the play. I mean, I think Elliot Daly was the one player who really stood up. I mean, you're a fan of Daly's, even from the Lions tour. Um, last year, Javon, what what more could he have done? It's a bit hard when everyone's just a little bit mismatchy behind That's, him. Yeah, everyone looks behind, but they don't know what the plan is. Again, yeah, it's like we were saying, Six Nations, they've got no plan of attack. Yeah, their their plan is battle you. Yeah, and, and hope, hope that it works. Yeah, hope that they grind you down or you make an error. And, and the main thing was today was like some of those tackles from the barbarians were massive. Yeah, and so just go you're not going to go yeah. forwards if they're bashing you backwards yeah. the whole time. And that is a huge one for the games gone soft patrol. That is how you smash people legally, legally yeah. and low. You South know, like Cola watched that yeah. as well. Yeah, today like, it was, and most of it was hip height. It was where it should be. Yeah. If you get them at the legs, they are going down. There's yeah. no point in trying to get someone who's six foot four and like try and tackle them around like under Mid-trick. their arms. Yeah, it's exactly. not going to work. Get yeah. them at the legs, they'll fall. And actually, one of the tries that the guy scored early enough, where Victor Vito um, offloaded the ball at about seven feet up in the air. Yeah. Like again, if you can't wrap the arms, you just got to chop them down yeah. and, and get it done. Um, but like that was one of two for him. Yeah. yeah, well, that was even. I think that was one he created, and then went on oh, and scored yeah. two as well. I mean, for any team to concede nine tries, fair enough. That's a that's a pretty bad beatdown. For an international side to concede nine tries at home against the Barbarians, yeah, <laughs> just, it's one of these ones that gets worse every time you say the sentence. <laughs> I love, but it sounds more beautiful for the neutral. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want in a game like that, though. 
it was exciting rugby. That's yeah, that's what it, it was. For. It, like Barbas is always going to be good fun. It's all open. It can, anything can happen, and I think today really did show it. Yeah. Anything can happen in a Barbas match. But the problem there is like England defensively showed no shape, no structure, and that's how you stop a Barbas team. You actually have a decent yeah, you, defensive You play structure. rugby properly. Yeah, you play it like a test match, and, you and it didn't seem like they knew what they wanted to do because no. I mean there was that one kick that for I mean it was a gimme. It was right in front of the posts, but yeah. you're either gonna try and play the Babas at their game and beat them yeah. which rarely succeeds mm. where you try and grind them out and yeah. I think what was really weird was I mean Gustard's only been announced as the Quinns coach this week is he on gardening leave but, already like did he own all of the tackle bags they've kind of forgotten had? how to defend in a week that was pretty quick yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean there's been calls for the likes of Ronan O'Gara to come back and uh, and coach the English defensive team yeah. which <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Which is is exactly as funny as it sounded there. Um, I guess, Sean, from an Irish perspective, and and Pork, you as well, a couple of Pat Lamb's old Connacht boys there. um, Adi Alokin, Delan, Buckley. I was really happy with Nee and Delan. Delan hit everything like a truck, tackled low. Mm. No one was getting past him when he tried to hit them. Um, Nee, when he got going, like you see why well, us as Connacht fans want him in the Irish squad, because if you gave him a week with Joe Schmidt or two. The yeah. potential the potential's there. And yeah. enough people have gone into Irish camp even just for a small amount of time, come back and even just those week or two has just playing catapulted with players them as up. well every week. No offence. But yeah. no, just definitely. Playing, playing with the other players will make you better. Huge so difference. You play better with better people. Yeah, like I was personally disappointed for Buckley because he is actually my favourite kind of player because he's a prop. He plays like a thirteen. Who kind of thinks he's a scrum half. <laughs> you know, so like <laughs> But like he was great around the pitch as usual. But it, the reason I know he's never in Irish camps was his set piece. Like he got pinged for a scrum going down because he just scrums with an elbow facing the ground. Yeah. he might have been perfectly legal, but it just looks bad it, to the yeah, rest. Yeah, he's the first point of failure that a referee looks to as well at loose yeah. head. So just and when you've got a reputation, you've got to lose it. Yeah, so yeah. to lose it, he's got to change the way his arms go. That's exactly it, and that like we I, all the golf fans know that's why he's not in Irish camp, and I still think he's the third best loose head in Ireland but that will be his thing that stops him either way really fun yeah yeah. Um, yeah. enjoyable some... even though it was painful yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what a way to finish it with a grade of the game Fernandez Lave kicking over that last conversion and like what a kick yeah <laughs> that was like not necessarily an easy kick no? that oh. was a little bit more difficult than Right in front of the post, yeah. Like, yeah most split people get it. to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're Is not going to give you an easy dice? John Muldoon kick. We're yeah. going to make you actually ding it over from 45 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Is it wrong though I expected one of the English guys to charge him down? Yeah, I mean, I think no. Chris, <laughs> Chris Ashton was playing with the Barbarians. <laughs> Mike Brown was still there. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was off at that point. I think yeah, he, was, yeah, he, was <laughs> he probably come off from the subs bench to try and charge it down as well. Oh no, the, the team had him well protected. Yeah, the, so the funnel they tunnel, made yeah, for him. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. I'd never seen a tunnel like a, 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 a kind of a runway for a kicker before. That was kind of cool. This yeah, is yeah. the way that the ball needs to, to go. go. This yeah. way. Maybe, it, maybe it's like when you go bowling and you've got the foam yeah. roll <laughs> up the side. I wonder if you could do that for every kicker, just so they wouldn't miss. Like, you know, you give them that line of players either side and go like, there's the posts. I mean, I've heard worse ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, brilliant. And I mean, I think the last thing that we have to do is uh, our top performer and our clown of the round. So, uh, Pork, you picked out our top performer. I did. I like we really discussed it a few times between us off air, but for me, it's got to be Larimore just for that try. Like we're not here to like go like stats and 
you know, all this finicky stuff about the game, but give me a guy who can kick a ball and scoop up a collector and score a try like that. Player, player. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And it was right in front of us as well. Yeah, no, it, it was, was pretty cool. It was amazing. And, that's <laughs> it. and this is after us watching a game where the offload was this every second pass. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah, no normal passing allowed. You are a barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> and you have picked our clown of the round. I have. I'm afraid our clown of the round is Eddie Jones. Um, <laughs> you cannot put out an international side and get done by the barbarians at home without taking home the coveted second row clown of the round prize. So uh, well done, Eddie. And a particular mention for the absolute lack of grace in your post-match interview. <laughs> oh. Yeah, very experienced side, Eddie. Well done. <laughs> I love him so much. He's comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that is us. We'll be back in the coming weeks with our review of the 27-2018 season and some chat about the Under-20s World Cup. So reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash the second row or on Twitter where we're at the second row. That is 2ND, not the word second. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, subscribe and generally spread the word. I'd like to say thank you to Dan and Siobhan, our first ever guests. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Siobhan. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. So until next time, goodbye and thank you very much for listening. Take care.